The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you are in the right place. I always promise, and I always mean it, and it's true. So the buzz today is, who is driving your bus? What is she talking about? Well, that's an old expression about who's in charge, who's in control, who's the person at the top making the decisions. So let's talk what this means to us today here on Innovating Innovation with Game Changers Radio. Whether it's digital transformation, industry 4.0, innovation in general, or simply making sure your customers sustain, your company sustainable growth, you have to take care of it. You have to make sure your networking approach outside your organization becomes part of your company's internal DNA. Now think about it. It's a big task. What's going on outside has to come inside because what's going on outside is good for you. So how do you do it? You need to engage your employees and get them committed. How do you do that? Think two letters, HR. Your head of HR has to become a driving force of company change, company strategy. Uh huh. What does this mean in the C-suite? That means HR needs to take their place next to the CFO in the C-suite. And if you listen to our series called Financial Excellence with Game Changers, you know that the CFO, the finance team, has to take their rightful place Second in line to the CEO in the C-suite, that means HR needs to be right up there at the top. We have a lot to accomplish today, so I'm going to open the show. We have two panelists on the line. We're still waiting for the third, so let me talk to the ones who are here. First up, this is the man who helped to sponsor this series when he was at SAP. It's Michelle Serrier, founder of a company called InnoLifters, and Michelle has sent me a wonderful quote from Confucius. Oddly enough, at about a 1,000 shows and 2,000 guests, 3,000 guests, I don't think anybody's ever sent me a quote from Confucius. Those of you confused about Confucius, he lived from September 551 to 479 BC. He was a Chinese teacher, editor, politician, philosopher of the spring and autumn period of Chinese history. And his principles had a basis in common Chinese tradition and belief. He espoused the well known principle. Do not do unto others what you do not want done to yourself, which we now know as the golden rule. Here is the quote Michelle has selected. Choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. Aha. Michelle Serrier, how have you been since starting your company? What's going on? Hello, Bonnie. Um, Glad to be here again. I'm I'm doing uh, really well. (laughs) And... uh, yeah, happy to be uh, here this afternoon. Thank you. So tell me, are you a big fan of Confucius, Michelle? Well, actually, I was looking for a, for a quote which would uh, which would fit the topic we had, and uh, and by googling around, so to say, I I found this one, and I was actually surprised that it came from Confucius because I I thought I had seen something like this from Bill Gates, but actually, I saw the quote from Bill Gates, which was saying that um, if you make sure that your employees love their job, then um, they, for them it's not going to be like a work. He uh, turned it around uh, and made it proactive. Um, and uh, yeah, But I, I, I like that type of quote, and I, uh, if I refer it to, um, to the 25 years that I've now um, gone through work, then it's, uh, it's true also. If, uh, if you love what you do, then the, the whole um, life, work-life balance uh, has a, a totally different meaning. 
Tell me something, Michelle. Talking about our topic about how HR has to lead the charge, if you will, on driving the outside networking approach to inside, driving innovation. How much work has to be done by HR, and do they even know they should be tasked with this? I, I, I think, I mean, good questions, as always. Uh, they, uh, um, the thing is, I, I do believe that uh, um, compared to... Uh, to the world we're coming from, and or even the one we're still in currently, um, you have a, a large mass of people and employees that are actually just um, executing very well what they are tasked for, uh, but just executing, which is also only uh, tapping a piece of their brain and not everything. And I think that if you uh, if you want to be innovative in the future and innovative in a sustaining manner, then you cannot just reduce it to. Um, with divisions like research and development, uh, be it in software companies, technology companies, or even um, uh, other type of companies like automotive, it, you should really leverage all the brains you have in the company. And that's really something you can only do if HR is not just executing very well, but also having a very strategic role in your company. Which, um, in, in, in most of the company I know, this is, I don't have the impression that it's really happening. Okay, well, it sounds like they have a lot of work to do. Thank you, Michelle, and welcome back. And now let's bring on somebody else who's no stranger to innovation, Innovating Innovation Radio. It is Wayne Morris. Wayne is the Innovation Director within the service organization, Digital Business Services at SAP. And Wayne has picked a quote from one of my favorite writers. It's Seth Godin. He's a young guy, born in 1960, but boy, has he made an impact. He's an American author, entrepreneur, marketer, and public speaker in 19. 1995, Seth Godin launched Yo-Yo Dine, a company that used contests, online games, and scavenger hunts to market companies to their participating users. It was so successful that the following year, a venture capital firm invested $4 million in Yo-Yo Dine in return for a 20% stake. Sounds like Shark Tank. Over a million viewers visited the site, and I will just jump down here to see what we've got. Uh, Seth Godin is the author of 17 books. He's written Tribes and Lynchpin, Free Prize Inside, Purple Cow, sold over 150,000 copies in 23 print road, print runs. The Dip was a Business Week in New York Times bestseller. He created a children's series, 10 books called The Worlds of Power, my goodness. And in April 2016, his book, All Marketers Are Liars, is everybody listening to that, was selected by, uh, by uh, Karine Alexis at Forbes as one of six essential books every marketer needs to have on their shelf. Here's the quote Wayne has very astutely selected. No organization ever in created innovation. People innovate, not companies. Wayne Morris, welcome back. How are you? Hi, Bonnie. I'm terrific today. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much. So tell me, uh, are you a big fan like I am? And do you get Seth Godin's daily words of wisdom, his daily blog, which sometimes is only four or five sentences and still leaves me saying, uh-huh, okay, I'm about to think about this one. Talk, talk to me, Wayne. <laughs> uh, yes, Bonnie, I, I am uh, a fan of Seth. And uh, I do um, periodically peruse his uh, daily uh, blog. <clears throat> it's always interesting, never boring. So tell me about this quote that you picked for us. Well, I mean, our topic today is about HR um, and their involvement in the whole process of um, innovation and taking a higher um, stake in, in the process. From my perspective, um, if people are the ones who innovate, then HR is essential in the process, um, and not only as a supporter, but actually as a driver. So from my perspective, Seth has it perfectly uh, articulated. <clears throat> HR needs to take this role. I don't think they really understand that they mm -hmm. need to take this role in many companies today. Um, they struggle with the concept of um, employee engagement, and I believe that innovation uh, from a grassroots perspective is a perfect area for them to support employee engagement. 
Thank you very much. Wayne, let me ask you a question. If if Seth Godin <clears throat> were to go to the average large enterprise, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not sure that such a thing exists, but the typical large enterprise, and he were to talk to HR, what would he say to them? Would he say, hey, guys, shape up. Let's get this going. Uh, innovation, it lives with you. You're not just hiring and firing and making sure the paychecks go out on time and making sure people get their their reviews and their promotions. You've got to really dig in and be part of this. You've got to think innovation has to be part of the, the middle name, if you were, of HR. Do you think HR would say, oh, Seth, go away? you think they'd say, wow. We have a better job than we thought we did. Let's dive in and do it. What do you think HR would say to him? I think HR would actually embrace uh, Seth because he would motivate them. Um, Today, unfortunately, in most companies, HR plays a very supporting role. Um, They're very much like utility um, rather than being at the forefront of really driving uh, the corporation. So, I believe that they would welcome him with open arms and say, please, come talk to our CEO. (laughs) Okay, thank you very much. Michelle, I'm going to dial this back to you. We're still waiting for our third panelist to call in, so I'm going to stall a little bit here. Michelle, what do you think uh, Confucius would say if we said, hello, Confucius, we welcome you back from the other side. Go talk to HR. Tell them they're going to love their job more than they ever did, and they're going to help people get excited about being part of the company. What do you think they would say to him. Well, Michelle? Um, yeah. Do you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Ah, okay. So I think they uh, um, they would basically uh, tell Confucius that he, he has to uh, um, help nature and uh, and the company to companies to understand how important and motivated employees are. And that uh, um, motivated or even hyper-motivated employees are are going to make a difference. Um, and obviously, with the help of some philosopher, we would also need to make sure that people are not afraid of change, um, because sometimes this is also an I'm not sure I'm going to use the right word, but an innovator when it comes to, um, to even trying to innovate, uh, because when you you're trying to, to motivate people to do something different or something on top of what they're doing, then it's a change. And then people feel out of their comfort zone. And so you probably need also some coaching, facilitation, and some philosophical approach to make sure that people feel that this is um, their home and that they should not be afraid. Thank you very much. I'm just We're just trying to get Jorgen here. And Michelle, you can tell him to use the same number that you are on, okay? We can okay. handle that. We can do that. Yeah, we want him in. So in the meantime, while we are multitasking and double tasking here, I'm going to ask Wayne Morris to kick off our coffee break segment so we can just get a, a pause that refreshes here. Wayne, where are you calling from? What time of day is it, please? And tell me, what's in your cup today or what are you dreaming about drinking after the show? Thanks, Bonnie. I'm calling from Calgary, Canada. And um, today we're in a unique weather situation where I'm looking out my window and watching the snowflakes fall. It's been um, very nice and warm here, but uh, right at the moment we have a bit of a white tinge. And in order to uh, deal with that, of course, my cup contains nice hot coffee. It's a cafe latte that I brewed myself with Starbucks beans. Okay, and what what is the brand? The coffee is Starbucks beans, but what is the flavor? What is it? What does it look like in the bag? <laughs> it's espresso. You oh, with a good espresso. <laughs> very, very nice. I appreciate that. I think you're going to need it for the show today. And now, now let's get to Michelle. Michelle, where are you calling from? I know you're a man of the world, a globe traveler, a globe liver. And where are you calling from? And uh, tell me, what are you drinking today, Michelle? I'm calling from my my home actually, um, which is in Heidelberg, uh, next to the river, and sometimes to the into the river uh, called the Neckar. And uh, uh, yeah, and I'm currently working from uh, from there. Next week I'll be in the U.S. Um, and what I'm drinking currently is the same actually as uh, as Wayne, um, but it's not to uh, to to become awake; it's to stay awake because I'm. 5 a.m. working, and uh, 
It's uh, an espresso, but not from a good brand. And I know Wayne is not going to like this, but I'm using espresso. Um, um, people knowing coffee very well would say they, they don't do the right coffee, but uh, I, I like it a lot in espresso. Okay. Michelle, I'm going to ask you just as a filler here to tell us a little bit about InnoLifters because the first part of your new company name, INNO, comes, I believe, from Innovation Innovating, which Absolutely. I think is part of your middle name. So what what do you actually do? So InnoLifters is a, is a tiny, tiny company that... Uh, um, and uh, the the word should be kind of the menus that uh, that I'm trying to offer to the customers I'm supporting. It's uh, it's about innovation, um, but it's not about having the ideas my, myself. It's actually more about um, enabling customers, not always the biggest ones, but actually rather mid-sized or small-sized companies, um, to actually um, learn how to innovate beyond just these uh, research and development departments, which are doing it anyway. Every company is innovative, otherwise she dies. The, the, the question is, how can you maximize and, and do more? And this is why Lifters is the second part. That actually, mm-hmm. um, I see myself and my team as a team that is supposed um, to really enable and be active and not just uh, consulting in that sense. It's not just uh, um, advising. It's also doing a piece of the work yourself and uh, and trying to um, to optimize also the the length of the missions so that I can hop from one customer to the next one because the customers are customers are benefiting from me um, because I'm uh, because I have the experience from several customers. Michelle, uh, I want to ask you a question regard to my opening for the show, and I'll ask Wayne the same thing. We talked about, I talked about your networking approach outside needs to become your company's inside DNA. What's so special? What is the company we we would say that has evolved a networking approach? How does that relate to the inside DNA when it comes to innovation? What exactly is it that we're trying to take from what they're doing beyond the walls, the physical walls, if you will, and bring that inside? Can you tell me that? A, a short way. I can I can try I can try to and then Wayne can maybe add to it. I don't think Love that it. the optimal company actually exists uh, in that sense. It's a, it's a combination of having a leader like at SAP there is a Hasso Plattner like at uh, at uh, Apple there used to be a, um, a Steve Jobs like uh, um, uh, the people at Google and at Amazon or a Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. That's one. Then it's also making sure that you keep on, um, um, you don't stop in your tracks and um, and keep on uh, investing a fair bit of um, the money into the future and not just incremental but disruptive. Um, and I think over time, uh, companies have a tendency to uh, to then become, uh, you would say, verwaltet in Germany, which is, uh, how do you say that? It's more coordinated and optimized than actually um, looking forward and trying to disrupt themselves. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and that's, to me, um, what, what, we, what we need to, to make sure that uh, most of the companies uh, learn again, is that uh, taking, not taking risks is the biggest risk you can take. Okay. Wow. And Wayne Morris, let's hear your thoughts on this. Well, Bonnie, the the challenge with um, corporations today is uh, is that they have to be innovative, um, but innovation actually um, is a disruptive process. Um, when you talk about networks and what happens outside companies um, and bringing that in, um, there's a variety of things that that people are doing today, um, including trying to learn from uh, startups and how um, startups very quickly uh, try out new ideas and test them and have this massive network uh, of people that they work with. Um, Similar things need to happen within companies in order to um, spur on uh, innovation. And and I think then when we talk about HR, they really have a role to play here. in enabling the networks within the company and even networks outside the company um, to to um, fulfill this. Uh, part of it is that employees need time and they need support. 
Um, they need the ability to be creative, um, and uh, all of this needs to be facilitated uh, and um, engaged through uh, the HR process. Thank you very much. And I have a feeling we might have Jorg Tienemann on the line. Jorg, are you with us? Yes, I am. We are delighted to have you. I know I gave you the same number as Michelle is on, and we just wanted to make sure you could join us. So uh, you're, I think you're on a speakerphone, if you could just kill the speaker. But I'm going to go back to where we started a little bit. We've already been talking about our topic, Jorg, but we do want to get you in. Jorg Tienemann is a partner in Detect Value GmbH. And Jorg sent me a wonderful quote from Bill Gates. Come on, everybody knows who Bill Gates is, but let me give you a little bit about his net worth. He was included in 1987 in the Forbes list of the world's wealthiest people and was the wealthiest from 1995 to 2007 again in 2009 and since 2014 he's worth about uh, us 15 billion i'm sure we all aspire to a piece of that wouldn't it be a beautiful thing here's the quote here's the quote york has selected from mr gates software innovation like almost every other kind of innovation, requires the ability to collaborate and share ideas with other people and to sit down and talk with customers and get their feedback and understand their needs. Sounds revolutionary. Jorg Tienemann, officially welcome to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers Radio. How are you, Jorg? Long trip to get you here. Well, yeah, thank you. I'm fine now. Uh, it's good to be uh, now in that call, so uh, sorry again. But, um, yes, uh, the, the quote was... Uh, uh, comes from my heart, I would say, and uh, is based also, uh, well, on my experiences in the last two, three years, and uh, based on all that, what I have experienced also in my career. So I don't know whether you have already um, introduced myself. No, I, I just introduced you with your quote. So I just mentioned your partner in Detect Value. So why don't you tell us, uh, we're talking today, of course, about how what happens outside an organization in terms of innovation needs to come inside and become ingrained in DNA. And that is the new role, the expanded role, if you will, of HR, whether they know it or not. So we've been chatting with Michelle Serrier and Wayne Morris, your co-panelists today, uh, Jorg, about whether HR is even aware of this. So what's your point of view, your POV? My point of view on this uh, is, well, uh, again, coming back to, let's say, to my to my background first, uh, perhaps, uh, because, uh, well, my experience is more on the um, business side, coming from well, uh, playing a role of, um, in, a, in a management role in the last 25 years. Uh, when different service units like marketing, sales, finance, controlling operations, and so on. But finally, I ended in uh, well with my uh, as founder of uh, Detect Value, uh, business uh, intelligence solution provider. So, um, so what you see is I, I always have uh, worked in in the software industry uh, in, a, in, in the consultancy industry, and this is also uh, where I made my experiences in terms of. Um, Innovation, because uh, I love the software industry, as it is always good for innovation. And it's uh, in all the companies I worked with, innovation was always the driver of growth. And how does that work? So it was always uh, the people who did the innovation, and where the innovation comes from. So um, this is why I also choose that quote. And thank um, you very much. Jorg, I want to get you up to speed with where we are in our agenda, and we're going to ask you a very personal question. I think I gave you a hint about this on our prep call a couple of days ago. Where are you calling from? What time of day or evening is it? And what's in your cup today, Jorg? What are you drinking that's refreshing you and, and motivating you, or what do you plan to drink later after the show? Jorg? Well, I'm calling from Germany. It's uh, in the afternoon now, um, nearly well, it's 4.30 p.m., PM and, uh, well, it's time to drink coffee. And uh, really, um, I love coffee, and I love it strong. I loved it strong. And this is um, something where I also made some experiences in, in, the, in the past. Uh, um, as I love very strong coffee, I made the experience that um, some people didn't like to, to drink coffee with me because I made the coffee. So, um, <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. How, York, York, how, how bad could it be? What do you mean they didn't like to drink it when you made the coffee? What did you do? Well, it's easy. Well, no, I, well, it was uh, just, just an example. 
I got a cup of coffee uh, that was written on it. I drink my coffee like Chuck Norris does, black and without water. So, <laughs> no, and uh, this made me a little bit suspicious. So, I, what I did then, I, I took a little bit more water in it. So, and afterwards, I, I um, realized that more and more people had more fun drinking coffee with me. And this is a time. This was the time where, uh, well, networking becomes then uh, more funny. And what you see also is uh, I, I'm very flexible. <laughs> yeah, flexible on drinking coffee, and afterwards I also drank a little bit more tea because we had a lot of people drinking tea. So uh, that's about my flexibility and coffee. Okay, very, very interesting. I love that uh, black and, and just what was it without any water? Very, very interesting, yeah. uh, Jorg. I think we all need we all need caffeine today. As a matter of fact, as Michel Serrier knows very well, he knows because he's been on radio with me many times, and Wayne Morris a few times. They don't let mm-hmm. me have caffeine. I'm not allowed to have any caffeine or go near it on radio show days. And this is it's been a double double show day every day this week. So all they let me have is cool, clear water. I have a beautiful clear glass mug with. Britta filtered water and I have my pink straw because I've been praying for sunshine and we've actually had sunshine here in New York the past three days. Woohoo! I think it's close to 70 mm. degrees here. So we are having a almost summer-like day. York Keeneman, we're delighted to have you on the call with us. We're also speaking with Michelle Serrier, formerly 26 years with SAP, now the founder of InnoLifters, which you just heard about, and Wayne Morris, Innovation Director at Digital Business Services at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and we're going to take a well-deserved break and a shout-out to Oscar Olmez at SAP for working so hard to put the show together. Our topic today is all about HR, HR driving your company's innovation DNA. Question on the table, does HR know they need to do this? Do they know how to do this? Does HR even know what innovation is? We have a lot of issues to solve here, but we've got the right people to do it. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. Indeed, we are innovating innovation, and I have three game changers on the phone with me today. We're speaking with Jorg Tienemann at Detect Value GmbH. We have Michelle Serrier at Inno Lifters. Inno is the operative part of that company name, and Wayne Morris at SAP. And we're talking today about how HR needs to drive your innovation DNA. And the questions are, do they even know it? Do they know they have to do it? Do they know what innovation is? I'm looking now at Jorg Tienemann's notes, some very interesting thoughts here from Jorg, and I'm going to read this first part of his uh, topic notes. Jorg is going to talk for a couple minutes, and then we're going to invite Michelle Serrier and Wayne Morris to chime in and join us with their POVs, their points of view. So Jorg says, startup companies have a high capability of innovation without having any HR functions or any HR-related roles in their entire organizations, but, 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 but most of them are not successful in the long run. This is kind of a, a uh, uh, warm fuzzy and what we used to call a cold prickly, Jorg, because it's the good news and the bad news all wrapped together. So why don't you expand this for us? Jorg, please go ahead. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, the background for this uh, statement was uh, just to prove whether really HR function have a key or a key function in, in companies. So seeing for innovation, of course, seeing startup companies without HR, any HR function, uh, we might uh, think uh, that everything is fine because they are innovative, uh, they are creative, and uh, maybe they have also already uh, invented some new solutions. But on the long run, they would uh, have to think about how to get more people on board, how to grow, and how to be productive uh, with high performance uh, and successful in the future. So there's a strategy. And um, thinking, thinking about that, I have already in my mind, and this is also my experience, uh, getting the right people on board is something of culture. So it's not, of, it's not, it's not only money, it's, it's more culture. And also uh, now in, in this time where we have a lot of a big, well, let's, let's say a rate of changes, which accelerates in, in the, in the um, economy and in, the, um, in other companies, we need to be more innovative, quicker, mm -hmm. faster than it. So we need to have people on board who are able to follow, able to, um, co uh, to co-innovate, to interact with other people. This is, uh, I think, the most important for being uh, faster also in innovation. Mm -hmm. And... Um, bringing uh, new solutions on board, uh, human and customer-centric. So if I don't find the right people, if I don't have an HR strategy, I will mm -hmm. never um, be able to, um, to uh, well, follow this, this way of innovation. So um, the risk is that I will end up in feasibility studies and uh, not well, customer-centric um, prototypes, and without people who will be able to grow the company. So this is my um, opinion on this and my experience also on this. Uh, startup companies are innovative but need to have HR functions um, for, for the long run, uh, being able also to, to support them, to um, support especially on communication, on collaboration, on learning methods, And uh, one thing is very important, which uh, in my experience is the onboarding of new people and, of course, the recruiting. The uh, recruiting. Okay, so this, uh, this was the, the, um, um, the background of this statement. Thank you very much, Jörg. Very important. And when we're talking about startups, I think a startup has to be innovative in some way, either a shade of a, an existing product or service or a new bells and whistle, if you will. Uh, by their very nature, as a new company, they're innovating something because they're saying we're new. You know, the old, uh, your cornflakes today are new and, new and better or new and improved. So very, very interesting. So you really can't do it right if you don't have an HR function. I like that. Michelle Serrier, let's get you on here. Agree or disagree with a very bold statement by Jorg? <coughs> I think I agree. I just, uh, um, I'm going to say a startup is like a baby. So, uh, Most of them survive because we have done a lot of progress in medicine, and you could say for a company, the medicine is HR, making sure that you remain in good shape and so on. And, uh, um, and, and therefore, um, on the other side, you remain a baby somehow uh, your whole life, and that's also something that the company have to make sure that they don't forget, and for that also they need HR again, is to make sure that this uh, startup DNA doesn't disappear fully from uh, a company that is growing up. Okay, Wayne Morris, let's get your two cents or $10 or whatever you're spending on this opinion today. What do you think, Wayne? Well, um, I, I'm a bit, um, I'm a bit uh, uh, confused, Bonnie, because from my perspective, um, startups um, are uh, small, nimble. They, they need to iterate. They need to change. They mm -hmm. need to continually uh, reinvent themselves. Um, and uh, I think any involvement of HR in a, in a startup, uh, the way HR is structured today, um, probably would uh, make more startups fail. Um, if, if I change it around and I look at corporations and I hear what York says, bringing the right people into the organization is, is an HR function. Um, if you try to bring in people who are 
innovative-minded and entrepreneurial um, uh, into a corporation which is focused and structured for execution and not for um, innovation and disruption, um, I think you need to make sure that your culture of your corporation can handle that. So uh, maybe that's just a little bit of a different spin on what Jorg was talking about. Jorg, I'm going to let you respond to what Wayne said. What do yes, you think? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I'm, uh, uh, well, it's, thank you very much, uh, Wayne. It's uh, exactly what I wanted to say also is um, the, the HR function, which we know today, will not fit to this. This is correct. We will find also HR functions in major companies uh, playing their role as administrator of HR as, well, let's say, cost, uh, well, uh, well, efficiency on the on the on the uh, on the uh, well, playing more or less having having a task of um, uh, process efficiency on the payroll uh, things and all this kind of what we know about um, HR functions today. But I think, uh, of course, HR functions should change for the future. And I'm uh, in this case for startup companies. I'm absolutely right. The functions as we know them today will not fit to uh, startup uh, companies. But I think a kind of uh, HR function, not an HR department, will be helpful for small companies in terms of kind of coaching and coaching for small leadership, which which will grow uh, for having um, um, getting more skills about communication. So it's more on the, on the soft skill side. It's more on the uh, collaboration side. Of course, we will have uh, in startup companies a lot of people who already are interacting. Uh, but it, maybe it, it needs some time in, a, in, a, uh, in the future uh, more structured. I don't, I don't say that structure is good, but if we want to sell products for the customer and it's human-centric, what we are thinking about, so people... Well, working in uh, startup companies should know a little bit more about people and empathy, have more empathy. So this is uh, the soft skills I see in here where the HR functions will play a role in uh, startup companies for being successful. This is what I mean. I don't, I don't talk about payroll functions. I don't talk about, uh, let's say, um, recruiting functions, which you can outsource for uh, also what, 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 what we did. So our HR functions, uh, which we have with our 30 people um, company, uh, these are really small, but we have um, HR functions in terms of um, um, teach the people, teach the employees in terms of more empathy, more um, communi- better communication, uh, new ways of collaboration and all this. Thank you very much. Interesting. I, I love it when we have a little bit of uh, business-level dissension, disparate opinions. Always makes for a, a better conversation. Thank you very much. Michelle, I'm going to turn to you because we don't have a lot of time left. Uh, very interesting here. Michelle, you're defining the roles that HR professionals should play. I've never heard it quite this way, and you're quoting David Ulrich HR from the outside in six competencies for the future of human resources. And Ulrich says, HR professionals should play the role of storyteller, the role of strategy interpreter, and the role of strategic facilitator. I'm going to ask the same question I asked at the beginning, Michelle. Does HR know this? Have they all read the book? Have they read this? Maybe it's David Ulrich's Bible of HR. But if you were to take the the average HR person who's been around for 15 or 20 years, you said, hello, Mrs. Smith or Mr. Jones. You've been in HR for a couple of decades now. Do you know you're supposed to be a storyteller, a strategic uh, facilitator, and a strategy interpreter for your company? What would they say, Michelle Sirier? In 90% of the, the, the cases, they would probably say um, they're not going to admit that they, they, they don't know. They're probably going to say that they never got the opportunity to, uh, to play such a role. But I, I, I strongly believe that when it comes to setting up a strategy for a company, um, you really need to, to have a facilitator, and that could be an HR uh, department or the head of HR because they except for making sure that you get them the, um, that you use the right talents and that you get the, the, the right talents. They don't have a, 
another stick in the ground for them, so they, they don't have to play political games. Um, so they could play this, and afterwards they could really um, translate this, um, because when you have a strategy, you're going to translate it then into um, goals you want to achieve in KPIs and so on. But there is also, uh, paraphrasing what uh, Jörg was saying earlier, you can also use empathy, and then really kind of, I'm uh, going to say, um, play a bit of Google Translate on translating KPIs. What does it mean for employees or even what does it does it mean for the customers on, on the outside? And that's where you, so you move from the facilitator to the interpreter. And when you, once you have this, then you can, you can go around afterwards once you're successful as a storyteller. Thank you very much. I, I love this uh, three-part role here. Wayne Morris, what do you think? Is this a newsflash for HR professionals or even new people going into HR? Do you think somebody applying for a job today could go to the uh, Smith Widget Company and say, oh, you have an opening for a director of HR. I see myself as a storyteller, a strategy interpreter, a strategic facilitator. I love this job. And, and the recruiter who is in the existing HR organization says, what? Wayne, Wayne how do you see that scenario? I think you're right on, Bonnie. I think to, in today's day and age, uh, uh, this might be a nice pipe dream, but it's certainly far from uh, reality. Um, not that I think it shouldn't be. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I, I believe we're so far away from that. It's uh, it's going to take years to get that to the point where uh, a corporation would embrace HR as a function with uh, them being a strategic interpreter and facilitator and storyteller. Um, let me just um, take a step back and say that um, in most organizations, HR has the um, a lot of function which is um, uh, really around execution. Um, these particular um, uh, capabilities that um, Michelle's quote talks to these are more free-flowing and, um, and holistic, okay. almost to the point where they help the organization uh, move the company towards uh, attaining a strategy which is different than what they have today. So uh, I, I like this. I think it's just a bit of a pipe dream. Uh, thank you very much for validating. I was being a little bit... Um Whimsical, cynical, I wasn't really sure, but uh, thank you very much, Wayne, for that. Jorg Tiedemann, love to get your point of view just briefly on whether you agree that this is, let, let's fast forward this, where HR should be going, should be striving, should be directing their efforts. Storyteller and strategic, what do you think? Well, both. I think uh, strategic uh, should should be, I think, but from my perspective, uh, well, Going back to uh, our uh, um, statement that HR function is key to innovation, uh, I think if uh, we see what happens at the moment and if we are thinking about more co-innovation and that means working in teams, uh, HR functions will go further in smaller teams, uh, perhaps in the future. So I see that innovation will um, also bring more business options, and then the question is, what is the strategy? What is strategy? Is strategy something which I can plan for the future, or is it something which is very flexible, which is which will come up with innovation? So then, then the question is, um, what is then the strength of an HR strategy? It might be that uh, HR would have a role as designers and uh, um, uh, build up a culture of collaboration and a flexible organization. Um, agile organization. So this might be a strategy, an HR-driven strategy or for the future for innovative companies. So I see I see it on both sides, uh, but different, a little bit different than we define today strategy. <clears throat> Thank you very much. I'm going to turn to, in the time we have left, which is not much, I want to pick up a topic or two from Wayne Morris's notes he sent me before the show. <laughs> Wayne, let's look at this statement way down in your notes. You say the innovation culture can be seen as a paradox in an organization optimized for execution. Does that mean that these are on opposite poles? We're going to innovate, we're going to execute. No, today we're going to execute that innovation be damned. Or today we're going to be innovative. Well, maybe we will or won't get to execute this. Who wins, Wayne? 
Great question, Bonnie. Uh, in reality, what most companies struggle with is is the fact that they're focused on execution. They have to be in order to uh, deliver their quarterly numbers and so on. Um, and as a result, uh, then the answer to how do we innovate becomes uh, put innovation in a separate segregated uh, part of the company uh, that doesn't have to focus so much on uh, quarterly delivery uh, insulate and isolate them from the rest of the uh, corporate uh, uh, structure um, and allow them to be more creative and actually uh, fail in, in their uh, attempts and, um, and iterate. Because as everyone knows, uh, you cannot innovate without failure. And in large organizations, they often cover up this concept of failure um, mm-hmm. and, and call it lessons learned and, and you know, frame yes. it in other terms. Um, uh, I tend to, to believe that c- companies have to embrace the concept of failure, which um, is absolutely uh, diametrically opposed with execution and the, the organization that has to be set up for that. So... Um, Trying to get to the point where, which you're just articulated, where you have a flexible strategy and you have this um, kind of adaptive uh, culture, um, when your focus is to meet your quarterly numbers, um, I struggle with. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Interesting. Jorg, we have just heard your name mentioned, so why don't we flip this over to you? But we need to keep, we're almost at the end of the show. Jorg, just give me a one minute response to Wayne, please. Just one minute. Yeah, so I'm with you in, 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 uh, in companies where uh, the focus is on execution, is on financial um, success, uh, you will, uh, it will be hard so, uh, for, uh, for um, uh, culture of failure. I also uh, think that failure is uh, important for innovation. And uh, so the, the point would be then in this case to have a change, a complete change, uh, in the in the mindset, and this is a question of leadership. Um, uh, in one, on the one on the one hand, on the other hand, of course, uh, if uh, companies are um, uh, financial driven, like most of the companies, it will be hard. Yeah. So if if you're not not finally not not success successful in the long run with a new um, culture, innovation culture, where failure is allowed. Thank you very much. Michelle Syria, we've talked so many times about the innovation culture inside a company. We've had so many shows that you've done and Oscar has set up with you, and we talk about that, uh, the permission to fail, fail fast, fail often, but eventually get there. Uh, just one quick comment from you, Michelle, on do you agree or disagree about this polarization of execution versus innovation? O- opinion, please. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think we, he, and the companies need to move to something which is, um, again, or they, they all started with uh, failure is allowed because otherwise they wouldn't be where they are, even the, the most successful companies. And then over time, they move to becoming an execution um, really engine. And, and um, they need to reintroduce this uh, failure early and fail often. I don't think that they will move away from the quarterly results. But you need to do something a bit like IT is organized, where there is more and more now a B-model, um, bi-model model, which is actually one is really uh, making sure that you keep on um, optimizing what you do today. And then there is a second arm, which is actually um, dealing with innovation, which is, in, an, in other words, was what Alex Osterwalder is also saying. He's saying that you need um, two CEOs in a company and one of them is called the, the, the chief executive officer, and the other one is the chief entrepreneur officer. And they all report to the same person. Ah, very interesting. Thank you. Michelle, you know what? We are literally out of time. I'm going to go back to Jörg Tienem. And Jörg, I can give you about 30 seconds for your prediction, please. Let's fast forward to the year 2020 or any time that looks good to you in your crystal ball at Detect Value, Jorg, and tell me, what do you see will be different if we had this conversation again regarding innovation, execution, the DNA, the role of HR in all of this wonderful thing called innovating innovation? Jorg, predictions, uh, 30 seconds, go. Yeah, so we, I, from my perspective, we will have more flat organizations, more uh, networking teams, and more demo- democracy in, in uh, companies. 
which will lead to uh, further innovation and quicker and faster changing um, operating and business models, um, which um, will there also there will be a need of um, um, other solutions in the behind on the, let's say on um, um, sorry um, so social. Um, I'm I'm losing my my what so. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. We're we're gonna yeah, we're gonna have to move supporting to supporting tools and applications. Sorry for this. Yes. Yep, and that's um, okay. finally, the question would be: Do we need a working council or work council anymore in the future? Mm-hmm. Ah, there's a provocative topic, Michelle Serie. Thirty seconds predictions. I know you know how to do it fast. Go. <clears throat> See, so what I believe is, uh, and what I hope is going to happen, because I don't think that companies are going to move away from uh, short-sighted metrics, uh, because you cannot finance innovation if you don't have the money on the side. Uh-huh. Um, so the, I believe, though, that they, we probably can invent a new form of ROI, because you really need a, a metric to measure how HR is working. But in this sense, it's not return on investment. It's actually return on intangibles so that HR professionals can then also position the organization with the investors, which today is not happening at all. Ah, there's another provocative topic for the future. Oscar, I think she's listening. Wayne Morris, I can give you exactly 30 seconds, no more to wrap. Go ahead, Wayne. Predict. All right, Bonnie. My prediction is that uh, we'll end up with um, an influx of different generational workers that will force companies to uh, be organized and, and act differently. Um, and in order to be successful, I really hope that they all read uh, John Danner's uh, book, The Other F Word, which is really about how smart leaders and teams and entrepreneurs put failure to work because that's the only way companies are going to succeed. That's very profound. Thank you very much. I appreciate the three of you, York Tienemann. Thank you so much for joining us. I know it was a little bit of a struggle, but we got you on, and it was very much worth it for us. So, York, thank you for your time and your insights. Michelle Serrier, always a pleasure. Wayne Morris, same thing. Wayne, you were a teacher, weren't you? Is that Do I remember that from your background? I was. Yep, I can tell. Great diction. Just great. Shout out to Oscar Almez at SAP. And whoever's been tweeting, thank you so much. Oh, we've got somebody called Room Ease On, and we've got Oscar tweeting, and I think Michelle's been tweeting, and I've been tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio. Go take a look. We have a lot of good things that we've captured from the show. So thank you to Justin and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air. As always, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. We need somebody to innovate a new seatbelt. It's time. Ours is just old and boring. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? In the meantime, go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.